I just want you guys to know what a privilege it is for me to be able to do this. Uh, not too long ago, I doubted if I'd ever <laughs> teach the Word again or sing or anything. But God has blessed me. Uh, I think most of you know this, but uh, I had trouble with my lung from the heart surgery where my lung would fill up with fluid. And it was like that for a good while. And finally, the doctor suggested that uh, do lung surgery. He said they would drain all that out, put some kind of powdery stuff in there that would stop the fluid from collecting the way it was. So we did that. I went to the doctor about a month ago. My lung is clean, clear. And I'm, I'm just rejoicing. I always, uh, I prayed going through all that, and I, sometimes I felt abandoned. Of course, I know deep in my heart that God would never do that. But sometimes you get in a situation where you just, uh, you're not thinking real clear. You can't uh, comprehend what's going on around you. And your prayer is more or less, God, help me. <laughs> You've prayed that way before, haven't you? Amen. And he did. In the last couple of years, he's, he's kept me probably when I should have died. It wasn't my time yet. He knew I still had some things to do. This is one of them. So, let's open with a word of prayer, then we'll get into the word. Father, we just praise you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word this morning. I hope, Father, that the words that you put in my heart to speak will bless people, will cause people to want to seek after you. Uh, those who haven't made the decision for you yet would want to make that decision. Lord, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for your word that is always anointed. And Lord, I pray for your anointing to come upon me right now as I minister this word that you've given me. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, that's where we're going to be teaching from this morning. While you're going there, uh, if you kind of glance through chapter 23, uh, it's talking about Jesus right after the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed and submitted himself to God's will. And then after he was done praying, the mob came and arrested him and the disciples scattered. Uh, and in chapter 23, the first few verses, it talks about Jesus becoming, coming before Pilate. Pilate didn't want anything to do with him. So he thought he found a way out. So he asked Jesus if he was a Galilean. Of course, Jesus said yes. So Pilate sent him to Herod. 
Well, Herod sent him back to Pilate. And still yet, Pilate didn't want to condemn Jesus. He, he even said, this man has done nothing worthy of death. So, but the people were so stirred up that they demanded that Jesus be crucified. So Pilate finally gave in to him and ordered Jesus to be crucified. And the last part of the chapter talks about the crucifixion. That is one of the most important things in history that has ever happened. Amen. Um, his crucifixion made the way for us to get back to the Father. Without, without the crucifixion, we'd still all be lost. We'd all be bound for hell. But because of what Jesus did on that cross, He made a way for our sins to be forgiven. He made a way for us to uh, come back to the Father. Made a way for us to live eternally. That's pretty important. Amen. Amen. I heard the, some of the guys talking <clears throat> in Sunday school this morning they, talking about death. Death is, we die in the flesh. This flesh is going to give up the ghost unless Jesus comes first. But Christians are never going to die. Your last breath here is your first breath in heaven. That's where we're headed. And because of Jesus' work on Calvary, he made all that possible. All we have to do is believe that he did it for us and accept what he's done for us. And the result is eternal life. Amen. Then it talks about chapter 23, talks about the death of Jesus, how he hanging on the cross at the sixth hour. He gave up the ghost. Nobody took his life. He laid it down. Nobody could kill the Son of God. He laid his life down freely. Then it talks about his burial. You know, Joseph of Armathia, and he came and sought after Pilate to, that he might take Jesus' body and place it in a tomb of his own. And uh, he just borrowed that tomb for a few days. <laughs> so the women who had come from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. That was on Friday, right after, the, uh, after he was laid to rest. They returned and prepared spices and ointments. They were going to go back on the Sabbath day and anoint his body for burial, which they couldn't do on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And then we're going to chapter 24, and it talks about how on the first day of the week they came to the tomb. And they were seeking the body of Jesus. They wanted to 
anoint it with spices and prepare it for burial. But they were surprised. He wasn't there. They thought that somebody had stolen his body. And two angels were there in the tomb. And they said uh, a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Uh, the world has such an influence upon us. To those who are true Christians, it has less of a hold than it used to. But we're never going to find life among the spiritual dead. It just won't happen. If you're going to find life, you have to seek the living. And Jesus is the one that's alive now and forevermore. He'll never die again. And if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he'll never die again. Physically, yes, but spiritually, no. You'll never die. They said, he's not here. He's risen. So they uh, rushed back to the other disciples and began to tell them, he's alive. We saw angels who told us that he was alive. Some Christian denominations will not have women preachers in their midst. But you know who preached the first gospel? Women. Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, they were the first ones to preach the gospel. They went back to the doubting disciples and they said, hey, he's alive. And that was the gospel preached the very first sermon about Jesus being risen from the dead. And then uh, a little later on in the chapter, it talks about two strangers walking on the Emmaus Road. And all of a sudden, a stranger appeared among them. And their eyes were holding or blinded so that they didn't know who he was. And he began to walk with them and uh, finally, the stranger, which is not a stranger, it's Jesus, he asked them what they were talking about. And they stopped and looked at each other and said, you mean you don't know? You haven't heard the things that's happened in, this, in the city this day? Uh, how Jesus of Nazareth, which we really believed was the redeemer of Israel, how he was crucified and buried. And then something wonderful happened. Jesus began to expound to them all the scriptures concerning himself from the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, uh, the prophets and the Psalms. Every scripture concerning himself, <laughs> he revealed it to them. I've heard people say things like, boy, wouldn't you like to have been there with a tape recorder? Well, 
everything that is said about him is right here. We carry it around in our hand every time we come to church, every time we sit down at home to read the Bible. All those promises are right here in this book. And if we trust God when we sit down to read and we pray and say, Father, bless this word to me today. Reveal yourself to me. All of a sudden, you'll begin reading and you'll begin to see things and you'll begin to understand things that you've never seen or heard before. How many of you have been reading along in the Word and all of a sudden you come to a verse that you probably read 3,000 times and it just jumps out at you? Amen? That's the Holy Spirit bringing the Word alive on the inside of us. Verse 21 says, But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of our women from our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back saying that he had, that they had seen a vision of angels who said to them, He is alive. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that Jesus is alive? Yes. Amen. That's our hope, isn't it? So many Christians, and I'm not talking about anybody here, don't get me wrong, but a lot of Christians go through their lives like, well, yeah, I know. I read the book where he rose from the dead. But how many of us have really committed our lives to him as an everyday Lord and Savior? And I've spent a lot of my time, and I've been a Christian for 60-some years now, but I've spent days where at the end of the day I just kind of take inventory and I say, Wow, I just really messed up things today. Amen? Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine for all of us. <laughs> but the Bible says that he has all of our days written down in his book. And I think those are good days that he has written down in his book. So... I finally got to the point where I, I pray just about every morning. Sometimes I slip. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> but I pray, Lord, you've got this day written down in your book, and I don't know what it's supposed to be like. But you take charge, and, and you be Lord of this day. Let me walk in your will today. Let me do the things that you want me to do. Amen? And guess what? The day goes a whole lot better. At the end of the day, you got peace because you know you have strived as hard as you could to do exactly what God wanted you to do that day. Amen.
So they grew nuts to the village where they were going. And I think I remember it's about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they, you know, back then they walked. Uh, so when they got there, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. It's verse 28. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon you. He will convict you. He will draw you to the Father. But he won't, he won't bend your knees to put you in a position to pray. That's something we have to do. Uh, so many times in our life, God is walking with us and uh, so many times we're not acknowledging him as being there. But at the same time, he would make as if he would go further and just let us do our own thing because he won't force himself upon anybody. So uh, I'll ask this question. Have you ever just kind of realized that the Lord went on by when you're in a situation that's tough, hard to deal with, you don't know what to do, and instead of seeking the Lord and praying and trying to find out what His will is in that situation, you just kind of take care of it yourself. I can handle this. I'm tough. I can handle this. And the Lord just walks on by. And you're doing your thing, trying to handle the situation in your own strength, in your flesh. And most of the time, that's not a good outcome. Anytime you strive to do something in the flesh and leave God out of it, it's not going to work out well. But we need to become so God-minded. That's a big word right there, God-minded. That in every situation that we face, good or bad, we're God-minded in that situation. Knowing that He's in control, knowing that He has our best at heart, knowing that He's going to do whatever it takes to get us through, we all need to become more God-minded. Amen? So, in the, kind of the middle part of Luke 24, he appears to disciples. And of course, remember Thomas, what he said, I won't... He said, I won't believe that he's alive until I see the wounds in his body and put my hand in one of his wounds in his, in his side. So they're all together, and suddenly Jesus appears in the room. Man, I can't wait to get one of those bodies where you just walk through walls. and uh, yeah. We're all going to get one. Amen. Walking through walls is not an important thing. But being able to 
being in the presence of Jesus is the most important thing there is. So, what Thomas did is something that we can all learn a lesson from. Sometimes we say something and we think maybe God don't hear. You know, we have thoughts and, and actions that we walk in. God hears every word we say. He hears every word we think. He heard when Thomas made his bold statement that I won't believe unless I touch, put my fingers in his side and see the wounds in his body. Well, Jesus walks in, shows up in the room and he says like, hey, Thomas, come here. <laughs> put your hand in my side. Touch the wounds in my hand. You see the wounds in my feet? And Thomas says something very, very cool. He said, my Lord and my Savior. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> he changed his mind real quick. And Jesus said, uh, blessed are you because you've seen, but more blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. That was talking about us. We haven't seen the wounds in Jesus body physically with our eyes but by faith we believe we know faith is knowing that something is real we know that Jesus suffered those wounds we know that he died on the cross in our place to give us eternal life we know that he rose from the dead we know that he's alive and in heaven at the right hand of God, interceding for us forevermore. Amen. Uh, so after 40 days, Jesus went out on a hillside with his disciples and They asked him, this is Acts chapter 1. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That was the end of the earth to them right then. That was all they knew about. Now the gospel is going forth every day all around the world. And that's one of the signs of Jesus' return. Is He said that when the gospel is preached to every nation, then I'll re the Son of God will return. I believe that uh, Jesus could come back at any time, any moment. 
I don't think there's anything left that has to be, any prophecy left that has to be fulfilled for him to return. Verse nine, when he had said these things, <clears throat> as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I hope and I pray that you're ready for Jesus to come back. Because after the fact, it will be too late. You won't be able to make a decision then. You have to make your decision now. So I would just encourage you today that if you haven't made a decision to accept Jesus into your heart, into your life as your Lord and Savior, that you would uh, do that soon. I'm not going to put you on the spot. If the, some, some people, you know, one of the PCA beliefs is that uh, God is sovereign, that he knows who's going to be saved, and you have to be called to be a part of the elect. Well, that's true, but it's no excuse. Some people use that as an excuse because they say, well, uh, I don't feel called. I don't think God's calling me. If God is dealing with your heart today, guess what? You're being called. He's calling your name. He's called it out loud. And he's offering salvation to you. He's saying, come unto me. It don't have to be a a big scene. You can just tell somebody that God is dealing with your heart that you want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And somebody will help you. Somebody will pray with you. They'll nudge you along, get you, get you established. Um, that's what one of the things the elders in this church are here for is to help people become Christians, to introduce you to the Lord Jesus. So don't hesitate. Like I said, if he came back in the next five minutes and you haven't made a decision for him, you've made your decision. Amen? So I hope these words sink deep into your hearts today. And I'm not picking on anybody, but I have an obligation to tell you an obligation to warn you, an obligation to tell you that Jesus is coming back soon. All right. Father, I just praise you and I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you seem fit 
to have me speak these words this morning. And Lord, I pray that uh, ears are open, that minds will be clear, that anyone in this room, anyone that's in a backslidden condition, anyone who has never accepted you as their Lord and Savior before, would do so today. Lord, I praise you and I bless you, and I give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Our last